Is your business stuck? Tired of leaving money on the table? Are you ready to take it to the next level? Join us as we dive deep into the small business secrets successful entrepreneurs are implementing to see massive results. This is the Business Growth Hacks Podcast, presented by Beefy Marketing. Here's your host, Andrew Brockenbush. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Business Growth Hacks Podcast. It's just me today, me. I'm hanging out. We've had some technical issues, so poor John. He has to sit in the other room by himself thinking about that bad cable that we have, and that is okay. We've got an exciting guest in store for you guys. I feel like she's kind of an entrepreneur celebrity, and I'm very excited. Melissa Kwan is the co-founder and CEO of eWebinar, an automated webinar solution that combines pre-recorded video with real-time interactions and live chat to deliver an engaging experience for attendees. Melissa and her team believe that by automating the repetitive and tedious tasks of giving the same onboarding, training, and sales presentations over and over, they free people up to focus their time on something else that they value more. Melissa, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Andrew. That was quite the intro. <laughs> this is round two for us because round one <laughs> was the first day of bad technical issues. One week later, and I still seem to not have been able to get my things together, which is sad because we bought a new we bought a new interface and like we got like a new, you know, like we just we were like, yeah, we got this. And then, you know, five minutes before, you know, it just that's how life works sometimes, right? Uh, it's indicative of of this journey. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. Okay, uh, I want to kick things off with a bit of an icebreaker. Beef, yeah, because this and I, you and me are going to have different opinions on this. All right, but if you could time travel back to the past or into the future, which way would you head? Definitely the future. All my, right, my best days why. are always ahead. <laughs> all right, I like it. What? Is there anything that you would use from your past in your experiences in the future? I mean, it's kind of like a... I mean, we're constantly question. doing yeah. that. So yeah, right. <laughs> even <laughs> even not intentionally, but I don't want to go back in the future or go go back in the past and like, you know, that movie Butterfly Effect, like screw something yeah. up. <laughs> that I'm in a much you know, worse place. <laughs> I feel like there's so much I know now. Like if I would have known like just the realm of the internet as I know it now, I feel like I would have made a lot of decisions differently as a kid. Um, one decision I know I would change was one of my first careers, like one of my first career jobs was a, a trainer position for Apple. I was doing grand openings and sales. And I was probably 21, 22 years old. And I had what was called like the employee purchase plan where you could buy stocks at a <laughs> discounted rate. Right. And I did not know anything about stocks. Like I grew up stupid, poor, like stocks were not something that like we grew up in our family knowing like, oh, you should get in the stock market. You should invest like that was not a part of my normal vocabulary. And when they told me they were going to take a portion of my check and put it to stocks, like I didn't see the value in that. Like I didn't understand. And so I skipped out when Apple shares were relatively cheap comparatively to where they are now. So it's like those kind of things. Like I want to go back and change my, you know, my, my trajectory just a little bit. You know, I feel like there's a lot of things, you know, like, I don't even know, like things like winning lottery numbers, you know, winning. Okay. Super but that, Bowls. that is a backstory that we did not agree on. That was not part of your question. If I could hey, go back on. to the past and I have all the knowledge that I have today, I'm changing yeah. my answer because what I would You're do changing. is I would okay, put my see. life savings in Bitcoin and then I would never start any right. companies. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny that you say Bitcoin because I had a business partner and he told me how, how big, big Bitcoin was going to be. And I was like, yeah, I just don't know. Like these wallets, it just seems sketchy. It seems scary. 
And I same had a thing, I never did it. I, yeah. He made me create a wallet. And so about six months ago, I was like, I wonder if I ever put any money in that wallet. And so I was logging in. No, unfortunately not. I'm oh, still poor. So that's too bad. So, <laughs> that's too too bad. bad. <laughs> well, that's a great, I think that's a great, great way to start this conversation because you shared with me some of your personal story already before the, you know, before the interview, you shared some, some of that with me in an email. And I think that you have a lot of wisdom that you've gained prior to where you're at now in this conversation. But I want to start things off with a statistic. I try to do that kind of in a way to shed light on the topics that we're going to be covering today. And this is the statistic I pulled today. 89% of marketers believe webinars outperform other channels in creating qualified leads. And so I thought that that was an interesting statistic. And I figured that might be a good place for us to kind of start by, do you do you believe that to be true? Do you think that that's a fair statistic? Uh, I mean, I'm not a marketer myself, unfortunately. <laughs> but yes, I think uh, um, especially now, like more so than ever before, um, video is is just how we get all of our information. And, and it certainly seems like the pandemic another... helped with that, right? Yeah, I mean, webinars is just another form of, of video. Yeah. So how about, we'll take it back a little bit. Why don't you tell the listeners a little about yourself, uh, kind of how you got started and how you got to where you're at today? Yeah, so I started my first company 12 years ago. Uh, eWebinar is my third. Um, so I've nice. been in startups for all this time. Uh, my my second company was acquired in 2019, um, which allows me or allowed me to do what I'm doing today. Uh, but my first two companies were in real estate technology um, and had as I had shared with, with Andrew offline, had, had lots of trials and tribulations there. That kind of set me up for what I'm doing today. Um, but eWebinar was really born out of my frustration of doing the same webinars, onboarding, demos, pitches, training, customer education, over and over and over again. Sometimes five back-to-back like a customer kickoffs I would do. Wow. And I've also been a digital nomad for, for four years, and, and I was back then as well. So not only was I doing all these repetitive webinars for my customers who were really important, but the task itself seemed really mundane. I was doing them in complete opposite time zones. And I remember being like the, the one I did, I, I remember 4 a.m. Kyoto, I'm having a good time, but I'm like watching my alcohol consumption <laughs> so that I can go back and do this demo that I did do yesterday. And I'm like, yeah. this is so annoying. It's just like interfering with the life that I wanted to design for myself. For sure. So, so I had always dreamt of this amazing product that would that I could that could clone me, so I, it could do my job when I go and live my life. And after that company was acquired, was when I was like, this is the problem I'm going to solve because I realized yeah. I wasn't alone in this. Like a lot of my peers had the same problem, but you know, you either live with it because it's your business. Um, yeah. Or you have like a massive support team that does this all the time, twenty four seven. But like realistically, how many companies actually have that? So exactly, yeah. That's what I'm working on today is, um, you know, helping people get out of webinar hell, uh, turning yes. <laughs> videos into webinars so they can go and, and have more fun. That is so awesome. So let me ask you this: first of all, for our listeners that don't know, what is a digital nomad? What would your definition of a digital nomad be? Yeah. So a digital nomad, it it just sounds so like. It sounds Ooh. like marketing. Yeah, it sounds yeah, so like it cheesy, right? But basically, <laughs> usually you're in tech, but actually you don't have to, right? I, I think you're you're in tech and um, 
you're working from anywhere in the world and you kind of travel on, on a backpack or a luggage or, or whatnot, but you have no fixed address. So my last home was in New York uh, four years ago and I left New York to travel full time. So I did that for three years straight um, without like any home. And then we kind of got sick of that. And then we fell in love with Amsterdam and, and got a place there. But ironically, COVID happened. So then we, yeah. we were not home for, for a year and a half. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. Um, but that's that's what it is. It's like you, you kind of just um, bounce around Airbnbs and see what life has to offer. I think that's so cool. So I've actually, I've done a little bit of it. <clears throat> I did RV life for two years. And mm. it started off by, I was kind of not, I guess, creatively speaking, I was kind of lacking, you know, just motivation and inspiration and just that energy I was looking for to be more creative. And I, I asked my girlfriend, I was like, hey, would you like to go to Nashville and like live in Nashville for a year? Like that seems like a happening city. There's like a lot of creative things happening there. And she's like, yeah, like I wanted to go to college there. I didn't get to. And we're like, okay, cool, let's go. And so we like up and left. We moved to downtown Nashville, lived there for a year. And we were on like a little trip one weekend to Gatlinburg. And there was like this place that had like, you know, off-road, you know, adventure vehicles and stuff like that. And I was like, hey, like I need to stop and use a restroom. You know, like really, I just wanted to look at all the cool toys. And we stopped and there was this really cool like uh, off-road habitat that they call the Taxa Mantis. It's like this pop-up overland style camper, right? And uh, they had a giveaway, like enter your email address online and enter for a chance to win this thing. And I was like, oh, that would be kind of cool. And so we left there, went to lunch, got on our phones, entered the contest. And sure enough, three months later, we won no. this Taxa Mantis. And no, I, it, I always wondered if was, anyone ever wins those things. Yeah, it was. I know. That's what I thought. It was so <laughs> serendipitous, too, because leading up to that, we were already kind of talking about the idea of like, OK, we own a, we own an agency. We have the freedom to be wherever we want, live wherever we want. As long as we serve our clients and are available in the hours that they need us, like we can do that. And so we've been watching some of our favorite YouTubers like Eamon and Beck and all these like great van lifers. And we we're like, oh, could we van life? But we have two 80 pound <laughs> dogs. We're like, no way. There's no way we're going to be able to van life. And so sure enough, we win this little RV. We lived in that thing for like a week. It was way too small. <laughs> and we, we went ahead and sold that and bought like a traditional, you know, pull behind bumper trailer and lived in that for the next two years. And it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, that's cool. And you so just drove around? We just, yeah, we drove around. We didn't get to do as much, as much travel as we wanted to. So we ended up being like at multiple RV parks still in Texas. <laughs> so like that kind of sucked, but. So you did all nomad it in Texas. <laughs> yeah, we were Texas. So close. Nomads. You were so close. <laughs> so, so close. I still have time, okay? I still have time. True, true. Let me, let me ask you this. You've, you're on your third business and I'm sure that you've got ideas in the works for your next five businesses or more. Did you always know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? I think I was always entrepreneurial, but not self-identified as an entrepreneur because I didn't come from that family. So what I mean is like, I, I remember, you know, being in elementary school and making these like origami cranes and selling them to people and then taking the money and yeah, buying like popsicles. There was, yeah. <laughs> and, um, but you know, but that was just something I did, right? It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to like start a business in like the playground. Yeah, um, sure. And then as I was growing up, I, I was always like really envious of, of my friends who had families that like, you know, businesses that they could take over or like start things with their yeah. parents. But my parents just wanted me to have a great education and a better job. And yes. that's what I Get thought I was going to do. Yeah. Um, but I guess I was always creative in that way. Um, and I also believe that you don't become like go and become an entrepreneur. 
Like, yeah, I think no, it's just definitely. something you yeah. are and it, it just yeah. finds you. Like, it's just who you are. And I, I eventually, yeah. yeah, eventually that, you know, I, I had, I guess, the permission and, and courage to become that. Um, so I'm, I'm glad I, I took that journey. I don't think I would have. Yeah. I, I was I've always been the worst employee, like horrible. <laughs> I was not the best employee. I had a good time, but I don't think I was <laughs> yeah. the best employee. Um, it's so funny that you shared that story about the little things that you were selling because I was like the same way. Like I never identified as an entrepreneur. I didn't know what or what what I wasn't. But when I was a kid, I remember my fourth grade teacher had gone on some travels and she came back with like these cool rocks. And she gave like multiple students in the classroom these rocks. And I was like, oh, this is this is some magic rock. Like this has got to be <laughs> like I had never traveled at this point. Like never, not only never left Texas, like never left my hometown. Like it was bad. And so I remember like fifth and sixth grade, I would walk around the neighborhood trying to sell this rock to just anybody who would listen. But like nobody buys. The rock dealer. A rock. <laughs> I, was a, I was swinging rocks at a very young age. You know? Um, so, but we all have some failures. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's my only one. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So that was like my first one. I think my second little business as a kid was we had like one of those like little swing sets that has like the little thing you climb up and go down the slide. And I converted that little part where you climb up to go down the slide into like a candy shop. So after school, I would sell like the Mexican suckers and like, you know, candy yeah. bars and sodas to like all three neighbors. Like that's a concession. I had a concession slide in the trailer park. We were just slinging candy right from the dollar store. It was a blast. So obviously on a podcast like Business Growth Hacks, I sling around a lot of marketing jargon pretty frequently. And I would say webinars are probably one of those terms. I think that for you and I, like webinars are a part of the nature of our industry, our businesses. But for some more of my traditional clientele, um, the companies that we work with that have never dove into the webinar space, or they might not even know what a webinar is, could you maybe tell us a little bit more about, one, what a webinar is and how webinars can benefit small businesses? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a web seminar. That's what a webinar yep. is. Um, <laughs> and it's basically, I mean, I, I hate using this, but for lack of a better term, it's a Zoom, right? It's a one-to-many Zoom. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people are familiar with like web meetings, uh, which sure. is just like, you, you know, you might host them on Zoom or go to meeting. Um, but a webinar is, you know, you to 10 people, to 50 people, sometimes to a thousand, wh whatever your audience is. Um, and in business, it's not really just tech businesses nowadays, right? Like uh, even customers of ours, we have like hair replacement companies, we have flooring companies, and it's really made for any time you want to get a message in front of either a prospect or a customer. Um, so it's lead gen, lead gen content. So it could be a sales pitch. It could be a sales demo. It could be a customer interview that's kind of, um, you know, indirectly selling your product. Um, and then our customers do a lot of like post-sales customer success, right? So after you buy the product, what do you do with it? Um, educate someone to get onboarded, um, training on, um, you know, new, new features, things like that. So all of that uh, repetitive stuff is is delivered over what we call a webinar. Nice. That's a, that's a great, great description. That's exactly <laughs> what a webinar is. I think that's awesome. So obviously we're a HubSpot agency partner. I remember when webinars were like first taking off, like now they've been around forever, right? But like in yeah. that realm of HubSpot and the whole inbound marketing methodology, it was like, ooh, webinars is this better version of an ebook because you can actually like get a personalized <laughs> approach, right? Um, yeah, because it has no words. Exactly. <laughs> so it's definitely like, I better. Read. I don't have to download this. We are also, by the way, we are also a HubSpot partner. We just got started. Nice. Okay, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. 
what were some of the biggest obviously talk to me a little bit about your ability to drink more no i'm just kidding but your <laughs> what were some of the biggest challenges that you were facing that led you to founding eWebinar in the first place what were some of the things that were just driving you crazy at the last company i mean i think i think what i did was i told you about my ability to drink less yeah, yeah, I had less. to control, yeah, sorry, sorry. I had to control my right. intake. Well about control. I mean, that's much harder. That's <laughs> much, right. much, harder. much harder. Yes. More willpower um, there. I mean, my challenge was, I mean, I, I, I had two tech companies before eWebinar, right? So um, as you can imagine, like when you sell a product to somebody, that is the first day of the beginning of your life with them. Yep. It's not like, Oh, so, uh, we sold something. Woohoo! Like, let's walk away. Like, I think it is like that for a bigger company where you are strictly a salesperson. But when you're a small company, like what we were, like I did everything except for coding. So I was like janitor to sales to customer success to accountant. Like I was everybody. So I was this person that would constantly do these demos to everyone who would request for one, whether it's a small company or a big company, because you need every bit of revenue that you can get. And there is no feeling, I think, more disheartening than hopping on a demo call with someone and within the first two minutes, knowing that they're not going to be your customer. And then you have to do that. Well, you demo. still have to finish it. Still, yeah. you still have to finish it because what are you going to do? Hey, by the way, like, like you're yeah, not going to be a customer. I'm going to bounce. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. I wish I could do that. Like everyone's been there. Like, yeah. um, but also like after somebody signs on, how long they stay with your software and whether your customer is happy with you or not is how quickly you onboard them. So yeah. how quickly are they? do they get familiar with your software? And then that is the number one determinant of how sticky they are uh, and whether they're going to tell their friends about you or tell their employers about you so that you, know, you can feel good about that deal that you just closed. So I was constantly doing these sales demos, but also after I sold them, I would be doing these onboardings. And then when we had new features, I would be constantly doing all these trainings as well. But the Golly. thing is, with, with new customers coming in every day, especially in different time zones, there is no amount of webinars that a human can do that <laughs> yeah, can no satisfy way. the people coming in. Because yeah. your golden hour, you know, 11 a.m., which everybody likes to have a webinar at 11 a.m., is not their yes. 11 a.m. So then they sign up to get the replay, but then no one ever watches it because our inbox is like a replay graveyard. Right? Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. so how do you solve that? And and so I had always dreamt of this thing that could turn my video because it's the same thing anyway. It just makes no sense for you to have a person, let alone the founder of the company, doing a repetitive pitch all yeah. the time, right? I yeah. think we glorify work. Busy work is not productivity. We don't right. need to. We don't need to work more. We need to work yeah, busy does more not creatively. Yeah. So if there was something that could take my perfect video and deliver it a thousand times a month, um, without losing that one-on-one -on -one connection that your customer can have with you, so we have live chat, for example, then I could have that run on its own, and I could just go and do whatever I want. So that was kind of the pain, and and that was my idea of what a solution could be, um, and we started to make that a reality. Yeah, it's awesome. I love the idea. I remember when I first first like heard or saw webinars on demand and I was like, oh, that is that is genius. Like, you know, and I wasn't even doing a lot of webinars at the time. So I didn't have the same pain that you were experiencing, but I still saw the beauty in the the technology or the beauty in that, you know, process. And especially since I don't think when I think webinars, I think more along the sales and prospecting and lead gen strategy which was certainly a part of what you were doing, but I think there was a whole other aspect that webinars could be used for for you, which was 
onboarding and uh, coaching and training and all that piece. Which so webinars like they don't just feel, fill a sales need; they can also fill an onboarding need, which you're talking about. Like one of my favorite books is called The Automatic Customer, and it's all about subscription-based businesses. And they they kind of stress how important that first 90 days of a customer relationship mm-hmm. is, and the fact that you don't have to worry about especially like when you're a lean startup and you don't have a lot of people and it's like your time is so valuable in so many areas of the business being able to be able to automate tasks like that's just, that's just amazing do you yeah. do you still feel like webinars are still a, a, a big part of a an important part of an inbound marketing strategy do you feel like webinars still have a really important role to play i mean i think it's more and more important right because I'll give you an example, right? I think um, I think there is such a disconnect between how we want to buy something, which is like, I want to do all my own research and I do not want to talk to a salesperson. Yes. And how we want to sell something, which is I'll give you the tiniest bit of information possible so you can call me or I can force you onto my calendar, right? And then I've got you, yes, right? It, got like you. there is yeah. such a disconnect between how we want to be a consumer and how mm-hmm. we are a vendor, but the people that you did, you know, like I think that this is a staff from Trust Radius. Um, I think eighty-seven percent of buyers want to do their own research when they're in their buying journey, and I think like over fifty-five percent of people already make purchases without talking to a salesperson. Yeah. So knowing that shift in consumer behavior, which has already happened, by the way, what does that mean for you as a business? It means that if you understand that this has shifted, you can actually align yourself and your and your company and your and your brand to how people want to be communicated to which means give them all the information they need on their own to make an informed decision and you can have a massive leg up on your competitors who are gating everything like no pricing no demos no screenshots because i want you to come to me first like how annoying is that right so i think as more and more companies understand this shift webinars, especially on-demand webinars or maybe on-demand videos or whatever it is, like give your customer the information they need now, not because they're going to find it, whether it's on your website or somewhere. Yeah, Yeah, it's out there. And you know what? Your competitors, they already know what you're doing, right? So you might as well control that conversation by being transparent. And I think transparency and authenticity can be a currency nowadays. So I do see that becoming, you know, not just like as important as now, but like way more important as consumer expectations um, are going to, I think, drive co- uh, companies to to invest in those channels. Yeah, absolutely. We have a whole episode about like that. The whole conversation you just had just then was like the whole sales process has completely been flipped upside down from like what it was 20 years ago, 10 years ago, right? Like I don't talk to salespeople. Like when I show up to the car dealership, <laughs> Like, like nowadays, like car dealership, like, that's <laughs> like just like, dude, I already know what I want. Like, I know how much it should cost me. I know how much room I have to negotiate. Yeah. Like, let's just do this thing. Right. Yeah. And I'm one of those people now that I am very uh, forward about that. When I walk up to a salesperson, I'm like, hey, listen, I'm I'm all about a good pitch. I'm always about a good close. But like today I know what I want. Like, sorry, it's, you can try it on the yeah. next guy, not me. But um, something I'm really extremely passionate about is automation. That's something I speak to a lot. I, I help companies a lot with marketing and sales automation in their businesses, specifically around sales and marketing. What role do you think automation plays in quality work-life balance? I think every every time somebody asks me about work, work-life balance, Ooh, uh, yeah. <laughs> my answer my answer is a like maybe not a popular one, uh, but the thing is, 
I don't have work-life balance to the point where my co-founder, my CTO, is my husband. Nice. <laughs> so, like, so we are like with the pandemic, we are next level cohabitation. We we see each other literally twenty four seven. We work together. We're always talking about it. Um, but I I love what we're doing because we give people their freedom back. We're not just providing sure. a product. We're really offering people time. But I think automation allows you. Um, I mean, assuming that you're automating everything you can, because for us, we have to, like we're such a small sure. team. Yeah. It gives you the ability and capacity to have mind share so you can have a life, right? To mm. give you an example, in the past nine months, because of eWebinar, so I don't do live demos. Like every time somebody comes to me for a live demo, I'm like, go, like my product is the demo. Our product is delivered yes. through eWebinar. It's, it's like inception. So I can't, I can't talk about the product better than the product can speak for itself. So go to the website, join the demo on your own. Um, but in the past nine months, I've done over a thousand demos. That's to a thousand different people. And I have never sat in front of one of them. Our conversion rate, like for me doing nothing at all is 25%. Wow. So that's awesome. It's, it allows me to have weekends. It allows me to clear my schedule so I can do other things in my business that actually requires my unique attention, right? It allowed me to not invest in salespeople, like not even outsource somebody, right? I'm in a lot of these SaaS groups, a lot of these business communities, and people are like, oh, should I hire a person to do a, like just to do demos for us? I'm like, what are you doing, right? So I think not only does it allow you to have more freedom and control over your life, um, which you can spend hopefully with, with friends and family or, or just maybe doing nothing at all. It also allows you to build companies in a very, very lean and efficient manner. I love that. Do you think you should automate every process or do you think that there's stuff that should not be automated? Well, I think that's, I think you should automate everything that is repetitive. Yes. Um, and, and I don't think just think about automation as um, like automating a webinar or automating like IFTTT, right? Like I think about automation as like, what are the things that you don't have to do yourself, right? Like in this day and age where we have access to so many resources and the world is flat and we can communicate through, you know, Slack in real time or asynchronously through Loom or whatever it might be, like the world is kind of your oyster, right? So anything you kind of hate doing yourself, you can go to Upwork, Right. And right, see yeah. who can do that for you. Like, I actually kind of see that as as a piece of our automation. Automation. Process. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's just like outsourcing everything that maybe you're not good at that that takes a lot more time for you to do versus somebody else who is an expert. So those tasks, I, I definitely think that if you can automate it, you definitely should. But there are definitely things that you can't like connecting one on one with your customers. Right. Like talking to your team. Right. Like it doesn't make it doesn't always make sense to do that. But when yeah. you automate the things that you can, you're freeing your time up to like to do the things that you can't. And that's what's important. Yeah. Well, because such a, I'm such a nerd for this topic. So I'm going to ask you one more question in in relation to this, this whole automation thing. But how do you ensure that automation is personalized and it remains authentic? Because I think that that's something that people get worried about as they start moving into the realm of automating, not just automating in the way that we think of true automation, but also in the outsourcing. There's been a lot of stigmas around that too, like, oh, you outsource, which I don't think that's a bad thing to do. So how do you make sure that it's personalized and authentic? 
Well, number one, I think you tell the truth, right? You, like, before eWebinar, there were already evergreen webinar companies. They, they exist, but they were almost built for like multi-level marketers, internet cash buyers for the, for the strict purpose of deceiving a customer. It yeah. wasn't like, I want to automate this content. It was like fake counters. You can load in a fake conversation to make people feel like they're missing out. Like we consciously make a decision. Like we made a decision from day one to never have features that help people trick consumers. Because that's just it, it, like integrity is our number one value, and we want to make sure that's reflected in our product. And I yeah. also don't want someone coming to any webinar and thinking, "Oh, last time I was tricked into thinking this, uh, this, and I, you know, I was, I felt like I was tricked out of whether my time or like into buying something." Yeah. So, be super authentic about it. Like I always tell our customers, don't tell someone the video is live when you're not. Like yeah. just say the video is recorded. Our team's managing the chat. If we don't get back to you immediately, we'll get back to you on email. It's yeah. like people just hate being surprised. They hate being lied to. So I think that's number one. But number two, I also think you always have to put yourself in the customer's shoes. Just like we talked about the disconnect between buyers and sellers. Like think about yourself as a buyer, right? Do people really care that you, Andrew, are there? Or do they care about the quality of content that you have thoughtfully put together for them? Right, so by making sure your customers know that they're special through whether it's your product or your effort or just by communicating it to them, by delivering something super high quality, that in itself is a connection that they can have to you. Right? Absolutely. And, and I think that so few people, like so few people go the extra mile to do that. Um, and, and as for outsourcing, like I agree with you, it's super hard. Like it's, I mean, you're in marketing, like, Nine out of 10 marketers in different functions that we work with did, didn't work out. I mean, they yeah. all start off, you know, really good. But then at some point, you know, they're outsourced. They kind of like they, they don't really fully understand your business. Um, and then they can't really reflect it in, the, in what they write. But it's just trial and error. And you have to make sure that you you have to make sure that you're only willing to accept kind of like um tier one players, I guess. Right. Yeah. So if that's what you do, if that's the, if that's the principle that you have, then you know how to fire quickly. And eventually you do find people that align with your team and, and your ethos and things like that. Yeah. That's super awesome. What, this is more of a marketing related question, but what advice do you have for a first time webinar creator? Cause you've made your fair share of webinars. I'm sure. What is your yeah. what is your advice for the first time webinar creator? My advice, my best advice is it is better to be 90% on time than 100% late. Fair. That I was 5 minutes advice. late today. Was that a point to me? <laughs> Fair. This no, but webinar, seriously, okay? like people are people are like, "Oh, I have to, everything has to be perfect. I have to rehearse this." And um, and, and that's the thing, like when you, when you automate a webinar with a video, like you don't have a live audience, so it allows you to actually edit your video. So we have yeah. a lot of people that don't do webinars outside of e-webinar because they're, maybe they have stage fright or they're afraid people don't show up. So the pressure is not there, but even with automating your webinars, even with your, with your video, just because it's recorded does not mean it has to be perfect. Yeah. Like nobody, like the, the reason why people love webinars is because it's authentic. 
because it's casual. It's like a podcast. Like yeah. I get to know you. And that also plays in that connection, the authenticity, right? If I come on this thing and it's a fully produced educational video that yeah. I know is scripted and rehearsed and edited, then I'm like, okay, well, it's just like a TV show. Yeah. So you don't buy into it as much. It's kind of like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. Like, so don't think that just because it's recorded, it has to be perfect. It doesn't. Put it out there. No one's going to notice that you said something again. Only you're going to yeah. notice. And then you can iterate based on feedback and what they ask. But if you're doing live webinars, just go and do it. Like, yeah. just go I out love there that. and do it. Because webinars intimidate me so bad. Oh I know God. it shouldn't. It's hard. Like, no, but it's hard. Podcasting seems so easy. Like podcasting for me, maybe it's because I just do so many podcasts. Like it's just become natural. But as soon as there's a camera rolling and it's like I'm talking to someone that's not like, it's the there's same no feedback. Reason, like, when I, yeah. Yes, that is yeah, it. That's like, when weird. I go to a networking yeah. event, like so there's like a I'm involved with a local chamber of commerce and they always ask you to do like there's these morning networking breakfast and everybody does their little elevator pitch and I always tell my sales guy I'm like you John I'm like you can do the sales pitch like I'm not that guy like you put me like in a CEO round table or like a panel setting I will thrive because like I'm having real conversations with people about the things that they're struggling with in their businesses versus being like, my name's Andrew. I'm the best marketer in Tomball, Texas, and <laughs> you should buy websites from me. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be that guy. And so, um, yeah, that, that's always been a challenge. And I know that webinars is something that like, you know, you got the little to-do list that you're supposed to like do in the near future. And like webinars are on the list. So <laughs> yeah. this conversation will encourage me to do that. And to anyone listening to the show, I'd say if you've never done a webinar, maybe it's the time to do it for your business. Because like we've talked about, it's a great sales tool. It is a great way to educate your your employees, your customers. There's a lot of great ways to use webinars. So and I now know you don't have to of, do them live. Now you can just yes, record a video and, and automate that. Nice. Yeah, that's the beauty yeah, of it. <laughs> Yeah, because I think about that too. Like, I'm like, oh, I want to do a webinar, but what if only, it's kind of like when I go live on Facebook and like two guys show up and one's from <laughs> high school and one's my mom. And I'm just like, yeah, hi mom. Like, what am I doing here on Facebook? But we have people, like I actually had someone that said, hey, thank you for the service because I was always afraid to do it because I thought nobody would show up. But with this, it actually doesn't matter. I'm like, you know, I never thought about this, but I love that yes. that's a byproduct. That I think it's amazing. So I know kind of wrapping this conversation up, I know something that is very important to you is living life to the fullest. So what advice do you have for business owners who just can't seem to take time for themselves? I would say that you should always design the life that you want to live. Like the idea that like you, I don't, I can't take time for myself. Yes, you can. Yeah. That is a decision that you make every single day. And I'm, I'm a big advocate for life design. And what, what that means is be, being very conscious of what your non-negotiables are. And I don't mean like, I have to have this for breakfast every day. I mean, like, I have to, for example, I have to have a fully remote team because I want to travel. Um, I have to do something with uh, limitless potential that has that is not bounded by industries, like something that's kind of broad, right? So sure, yeah. if you if you have certain non-negotiables about your business or how you want to live your life, what that means is it makes it super easy for you to make decisions about literally anything. New job comes, should I take it? Oh well, does it fit? Like yes or no? For I'll give you an example. I don't wake up before noon every day. I work too Ooh. really late, but my Love customers that. or my team knows that I do not take calls in the morning. And that's yeah. my non-negotiable. Sure. I just don't want to. 
right? So yeah, you're allowed to, you're allowed to make that decision because you made that decision. Like that's yeah. It. And so I I would say be so intentional about designing the life you want to live. Know what your non-negotiables are, and the rest will fall into place. But it has to be a non-negotiable because yeah. otherwise you're back to yeah. where you came from. Exactly. I really love that. I mean, obviously I've heard that a thousand different ways, but I think that for some reason, like it's resonating a bit more the way you've put it. I mean, just the fact that like for me, one of my, <clears throat> I try to make it a non-negotiable is I want to work out every day, at least if it's something like, even if it's not like my regular workout routine, like it might be meditation, it might be yoga, but I need to do something. Cause if I don't all it for me, all it takes is like one bad decision. And I'm like on the bad decision train, <laughs> like one, no joke. I'm going to share. I'm going to, I'm going to be vulnerable here with you. Okay. So <laughs> the other day we did a, like, uh, I guess it was like a event that our town holds every year. It's called the German heritage festival. It's like beer and pretzels and all the good carbs. <laughs> and we were out there with our photo booth and we were just like hanging out and having a good time. Well, that day was like the start of the bad decisions for me. Like it was like a Krispy Kreme donut cheeseburger, oh, a pretzel, so good though. <laughs> a quantity of pretzel or a quantity of beer that I'm not really sure I can keep up with. And then that led into a week of bad decisions. I think I swear to you, this is this is me being as honest as I've ever been. I think that there were four days in a row I had a burger, a cheeseburger every single day. And I was like, Andrew, you are fat. You cannot. <laughs> you cannot do this. Like, have you seen? You know have you better. seen? Have you seen Avenue Q? Have you heard? Of it? No. Oh man, it's not around anymore. But it's like it, it was like an off-Broadway show. But like it's basically uh-huh. like it's a super funny. You would enjoy it so much. It's a super funny show. But like they didn't have enough actors, so they they use like puppets. But <laughs> one in one segment, they have like bad decision bears, which are basically nice. like standing your shoulder, and he's like, "Oh yeah, we should go home." And the bad decision bear is like, "No, let's do shots." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I've got the bad decision bears with me every day. So um, I really like the way that you've put that. So the way we wrap up every episode, and hopefully I don't put you too much on the spot here, but we try to take away one business growth hack from our guest. And, you know, the the word hack is like such a like one of those trendy jargony words again nowadays. Right. But if you could leave the listeners with one business growth hack, something that they can do to hack their business, to transform something that they're doing, what would that hack be? Man, I, I feel like it's so ser- self-serving for me Do to talk it. about myself again. <laughs> Do, Do it. I have permission? <laughs> yes. Preach. Okay. You should definitely, if you are hosting webinars of any kind, like literally of any kind, please automate that. Whether it's with us, eWebinar, or, some, or something else, please give yourself a break. Know that you can grow your business without being in it. Like that, that's the hack, right? Like you, you just have to know. And that's another decision. Know that you can grow your business without being there 24 seven. Your customers are not going to be mad. Yeah, that's, that's, that's gold. I know one of my friends took like a week long sabbatical. Maybe it was longer than that. I feel like, and I was like, how can you take a sabbatical? Like I can't leave my <laughs> business for more than like two days. Like it would go to, it would just burn up, you know? And I finally, like, he was like, dude, you can do it. Like, you've just not put the processes and systems in place to support that. And so I have been way more intentional over the last couple of years of trying to put people and processes in place that have really allowed me that freedom. You know, I can go work out at 11 o'clock in the middle of the day when you would think like, hey, it's kind of prime time to be working. It's like, yeah, but that is something I need to go do. Because if I don't go work out at 11, I will go get a cheeseburger at 11. So (laughs) Those bad decision bears. Bad decision bears. Coming back. Here they are. 
Um, well, why don't you tell our listeners how people can support you? Obviously, they can go to the website, but why don't you kind of plug your socials? What else you got coming up? All that fun stuff. Yeah, definitely go to ewebinar.com slash growth hacks. There Ooh, you nice. will find uh, information about our demo, a little bit about us, my LinkedIn, how to connect with me, um, and all that good stuff. Uh, if you connect with me on LinkedIn, I try to force myself to post something once in a while. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if I, I'm not on LinkedIn, I don't exist. But Andrew, I'll tell you one thing. like The day that I don't need LinkedIn is the way I feel like I've succeeded. You know, you could just automate that too, right? <laughs> <laughs> I could, this but here's the thing: I don't, I don't do it. I don't do it uh, often enough. <laughs> yeah, That's just problem. what you need to do is write one post for the next. You know, just write one for twice a month for the next year, and then just pretend like you're just doing your thing on LinkedIn. You know. <laughs> I love yeah, it. Melissa, thank you so that. much for being on the show. I'm glad that we rescheduled and made this thing happen. I'm glad that I was able to make the technology work. You know, I should know this. This is my job. I should know technology. But, you know, one pesky cable can ruin a good day. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Growth Hacks podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. To get more marketing tips and tricks, follow Beefy Marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Beefy Marketing. And to take your business to the next level, check out our website at www.beefymarketing.com.